Welcome to Fragmented, a software developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. My name's Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by AndroidJobs.io. On Android Jobs, you can post a job posting for free and also sign up to get weekly notification emails of new job postings. These job postings are worldwide, so any company around the world can post for free. However, I wanted to let you know about a couple of feature upgrades that we recently made to the site. Number one, you can now pay for a upgraded highlighted post. And this will highlight your job post among all the other Android jobs that are out there. Number two, you can pay for a featured job posting that will highlight it as well as pin it to the top of the job board. Now, again, the free job postings are still available, so you can still post a job for free. But if you would like to kind of give it a little bit more flair, you can upgrade it as you'd like. Now, additionally, every job posting on Android Jobs, including the free one, is now going to be a 90 day job posting. So please check it out when you have a chance. Sign up to get notified of new job postings. And thanks for listening and checking out the site. Again, that's androidjobs.io. Kaushik, we're back to poke the bear. That we are. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, a lot of folks enjoy us (laughs) poking the bear. I'm just concerned. Sometimes you may get eaten by the bear, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. That does happen from time to time. You got to be careful there. I did see a video the other day of this guy who was fighting off a bear. That was pretty wild, but that's a different story. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I do not want to be in that position. <laughs> no, definitely not. One time, a quick story, when I was, I grew up in Northern California, about three hours north of San Francisco, and I used to ri- ride motorcycles in the woods. And um, it was an old motorcycle, I had like a horn on it, it was like a trail bike. And I'm riding back towards my house through the woods, and all of a sudden I come around a corner. And about 20 feet in front of me are these two small black bear cubs. Oh, no way. And what I've learned and known just from growing up in the mountains is if the cubs are there, the mom is very close. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the mom would be very protective. And I immediately knew that. Hit the horn, scared the bears. They ran. I look left and there I see the mom and she just starts running and I just bolted. (laughs) Like full on, wide open on the motorcycle, flying on this trail as fast as I could. You know, she didn't get me, of course, but it it was a hairy moment. I, yeah. This instinct is why you are here today recording that podcast. Here's some sage wisdom from someone who's also like spent a lot of time in California. Do not think or pretend that you can take on a bear. No. (laughs) I know the lizard brain sometimes, you know, inspires us to feel all bold. Nope. (laughs) If you can get the hell out of there, definitely get the hell out of there. Yeah, don't think that you're that meme where you're like boxing with the bear. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No. So so what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, I wanted to, you know, I sent you a text a little while ago saying, hey, I would like to talk about this topic. And the topic is, what do we feel like is our opinion for the, if someone came to us as a new Android developer, like, hey, I see that there's, we have, you know, Jetpack Compose is a way to build UIs, but I also see that there's all these XML layouts. Like, what is, what should I learn as a, as a new developer? Should I learn one or the other, or should I learn both, or, or what's the method in which I should go about this? So I thought that was a very interesting topic because it's something I see tossed around out there quite a bit. I like that topic too. It's interesting because I feel had you asked me this question some time back, my answer would have been very widely different from what it is now. 
So I am curious to chat about this with you. So, so that's a good question. I would, I would like to start right there. What was your, well, how, how do we want to approach this? What would be, okay, let's just, let's just go straight for it. Somebody new comes up to you, asks you that question. How do you reply to them today? And what do you say? Well, my first question would be, you know, what level of experience are you? Like, what, like, how are you trying to enter into the market, right? For example, if you're an Android engineer who's new and, you know, you have like maybe a year of experience and you're joining in, I feel that answer, because the expectations from someone who's junior is not the same as someone who's been in the industry for about like five to like, or anything beyond three years, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would say if it's someone who has ex like you know the experience of more than three years, yeah, at that point you probably should have knowledge about like you know the XML uh, ways of writing your views and how it works, how the internals work. But today, if you had asked me and someone is like, "Nope, I have zero knowledge. I'm you know a programmer. I want to like jump in and start writing Android apps." What? technology should I use for my UI toolkit? I would say you should probably switch to Jetpack Compose. And I can tell you why. A couple of things I've noticed that really shifted the direction for me. But before we get into that, what would your response be? I like the way you phrased it with, you know, depending upon experience. And I am approaching it from someone who's got, who's just entering the market as an Android developer. They may have they may have been doing React applications or PHP or whatever. They could be a brand new developer, but they've never really touched Android. And what would I tell them to do? Most likely, I'm going to recommend that they get familiar with XML views, XML layouts, uh, and then you know, kind of move into Compose. And the reason why I say that is because I've you know, you know, I've been doing you know, contracting for so many years, and you know, now and then I'll still help out friends with some apps. And still to this day, uh, just very recently, this morning, someone was having me look at something, and it was their app is 100% XML. And I mean, it was, it was just updated, you know, very recently, you know, they made some changes or whatever, but they needed some help on something, but all of it was, was XML. And I haven't yet come across an app that has a, well, an existing application, should I say an existing company or whatever. I have not come across a company yet that's had, um, compose in it except for one. And that's, we'll talk about that later. So that's actually interesting because that's the second dimension, right? The first dimension that I mentioned is around the expectation and experience, but mm -hmm. you bring up a very good point. That's also like the existing code base, right? Yeah. So yep. even if you are a new engineer and you join a company that has a code base that's all XML, it brings up an interesting question, right? Should you start to add Jetpack Compose or should you just stay the course and then use XML, right? Yeah, this is a, that's actually a whole topic in itself and i think i'm trying to wonder if i did a video on that but if not it's like i have a very strong opinion about that and that is from a consulting perspective and a contracting perspective if you're full-time this is different but let me approach this from being a consultant and contractor if you approach a code base it's all xml i myself i am going to continue moving forward in xml to make sure that it's a cohesive code base that there's not a bunch of different sparse technologies used in it because the product that I give to my client at the end of the day, I want to make sure that they can get it and it makes sense to them. Um, now, if they direct me to go a different direction, I'll, I'll do that. But if it's left fully up to me, I'll stick with whatever technology it is. Now, if they're already in Compose, then I'll just keep it in Compose. So that's how I approach those problems with contracting. 
That's also a very good question because that's I feel that's sage wisdom in general, right? Usually you do not want to swim against the tide, especially if there isn't a necessary an explicit need, right? Because yeah. if you and as a consultant, if you approach it, it makes perfect sense, right? Don't necessarily, yeah, don't go in there, add new technology. Because the expectation is also that if you're a consultant, you're probably not gonna like stay there for the next five years and work on the code base, right? So that's very astute. As the the interesting thing, and I'm I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate, right? But if you approach it as an employee or someone who's trying to steer the team in a different direction because you've identified that it could be beneficial, right? I yeah, I do wonder about it because here are some of the signals that have made me change my opinion, right? The first signal is when you are sort of like a senior employee slash technical leader at any organization, part of your responsibility is to see how you can enable the other folks joining your team, right? And as you start to grow your team, you're going to get a huge influx of uh, a new crop of Android engineers, the new generation, so to speak, right? And I've noticed, and I think we talked about this too, for example, today, uh, just tangentially switching the topic a little, I think core routines has become a thing. And I think you mentioned oh, yeah. this too, right? Like, yeah, earlier before we started recording, yeah. yeah. Gone are the days where there's a, I think we were very strongly in the Rx camp. Oh, and yeah. then there was a transition period where they're like, ah, should I do Rx or core routines? You know, there was a lot of debate. I think that it's, it's funny because either maybe I'm not as plugged in anymore, but it feels like that conversation is over. Like core routines is the way, like most people are, today using core routines, right? Whether you like it or not. I've had new folks coming in, especially during interviews and people joining in who have very smart, excellent, competent Android engineers who've only ever used core routines, right? And trying to bring that back to my previous point, if you hire, you know, if you know you have a turnover and you or rather you hire like, you know, another 3x more engineers, a majority of your engineers are gonna not be aware of the technology being used or rather like, you know, they would be that much more productive if you switch technology, right? So if you start using coroutines, it obviously means they're more familiar than they are with Rx, right? So then would you want to keep using Rx? Again, like there's, it's, yeah, there's all, there's, it's subtle, right? Because if you have an entire code base that's running Rx soup to not, uh, soup to, not soup to bold, I forget what the expression soup is. Soup to nuts. Yeah, soup to nuts, like, yeah, then you probably don't want to change things as much, right? But I, I'm starting to feel like in that same vein, we want, like, I think people are moving to Jetpack Compose. The other signal that I got the other day was, I don't know if you're following, I, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm having coffee and I want to take a break in the middle of the day, I know this is like big nerd vibes here, but, you know, <laughs> I open up YouTube and I go to my watch later and I see some of like, you know, the Kotlin videos that are coming up. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, KMM, Kotlin Multi-Platform Mobile, just went, it hit its beta last week, I, I believe. And there was a video by the Jet uh, JetBrains folks. It's by Pam- Pamela Hill. I think she is like a JetBrains advocate. And, you know, it's a very good video. Like, it's just starting very, like, you know, this is how we start with KMM. Mm-hmm. Like, literally creates the new project. And then, you know, they talk through each decision, like, you know, each checkbox. And it is funny what I noticed in that. It's a great video. We'll try to post a link to that. But the thing that caught my eye was when they created the default app for both uh, Android and iOS, the default Android app just used Jetpack Compose, you know? 
And it's funny because there was no conversation about like, oh, you know, if you want XML, this is how you do it. And But this is Jetpack Compose and this is the new thing that we're using. It was just default composables <laughs> through and through. And that got me thinking again about this direction, which is maybe we're starting to see that similar shift as we did with coroutines and Rx, right? And it was more complicated with Rx and coroutines because I felt there, the selling point for coroutines the biggest selling point was like Google has backed it up, if you're being honest, right? I don't necessarily even to this day see as much of a difference. Like Coroutines is also like complex. Like I know the pitch is it's simpler. I generally don't think it's simpler. No, yeah. I don't think it's simpler. Either. Yeah, it's just an alternative, but it again had Google's backing, which I think is primarily why today it has become the de facto standard, right? And I think keeping that lens in mind, that is happening for Jetpack Compose too, because the dip, the difference though is with Jetpack Compose. I think there's an obvious benefit, right? Mm -hmm. I don't. I think if you asked anyone, or yeah, maybe let's have that question. If you get to start from scratch, zero, right? Would you use XMLs for your for your layout, or would you use Jetpack Compose today, right? Yeah, that's a good question. So a couple of things. I, I have some notes here that I want to touch on. Some of the things you, you you talked about, and that's you know coming from you have an existing code base. It's in XML. Do you stick with it? What do I think you should? My opinion, do I think you should stay on XML if you're a full time employee and you're trying to think about the future for your company and, and your, your team? Really, no, I don't think you should stay on XML unless there's a compelling reason not to go to the new technology that's being promoted by Google. And that might be maybe there's uh, something that just doesn't work in it, maybe you found a slowness or memory leaks or something just that's limiting you from moving there. Maybe it slows your build down build time too much, uh, whatever. Those are going to be like the road blockers. But other than that, no, I really feel that it's important to move from one technology to the next. And you touched on this because when you get developers that are coming from, you know, they could be from boot camps, out of college, uh, anything, and they're just entering the industry, they've never worked with Rx Java. They've only worked with coroutines. And like you said, from, you know, a file new perspective, um, I don't know if it's happened yet, but I'm soon, if not, you'll be getting default Compose Act, you know, Compose views right out of the gate for everything. So that's how they're going to learn how to develop applications. And that's an important thing to realize because I've seen this at a couple of clients where we were on one technology and, or we didn't use a new technology. Maybe we didn't use view models or a certain pattern. And then we would hire somebody uh, on the team and then the developer might be smart and have all this experience, and but we don't use any of that technology. Well, now we have to retrain them on here's how we do it. And they might get it done and it might work, but what ends up happening is this impact, in my opinion, uh, a developer happiness scale. And I think this is a very important thing that a lot of companies need to pay attention to is how happy are your developers? Because if, if your developers are miserable doing what they do every single day, they're going to leave. So it doesn't matter if like, cool, your XML layouts are 3% faster or blah, blah, blah. If your developers hate absolutely using XML views or they hate using Rx Java, but they love using coroutines, that's going to be a problem for you, for your team, which is a problem for your company and the problem for your app, because you're going to have high turnover, which means you're going to be bringing or recruiting and then having to train new people. It's just going to, your velocity is just going to fall off the map for any type of development. Um, so I completely agree with you from going to that old to new. Now, for me to kind of go back to your original question of 
if I were to start a new project, what would I do now? Uh, and I already did this. I did this back in December when I launched um, or started uh, Jumpstart Android. And that was, um, you can see that uh, we can put a link in the show notes, but that was from the ground up. And I realized, well, I feel that Compose is the new way to do things. And I have a lot of experience in React. I actually love the programming model of React. And then I went into Flutter and Flutter's highly inspired from React. So is Compose. So I just got in there. I was like, wow, I really like this. Now there's nuances, of course, that are different. So going forward, what I do is and will do, if it's a new app, I will use Compose just because that's the new way of going forward. And there's a lot to be said for when a company like Google gets behind it and says, hey, this is the way forward, just like they did when they did with Kotlin. We were using it at American Express to write our tests internally. And that was kind of like the surface area of where we'd let it go. And there was a few tests that we did with it. And then as soon as Google kind of said, hey, we're going to we put the seal of approval on this thing and this is the way forward, everybody just adopted it. But before that, everyone was really apprehensive. Like there's this weird, you know, different language over here that's cool, but eh, we don't know if it's really going to work or not. So having that support from uh, Google is going to help. Uh, and that helps from a, a higher technical level too. So from technical leadership, they can know like, oh, this is supported from these companies. They understand technical leadership does that this has an implication on recruiting and you know in your teams and et cetera. So completely agree. I would probably use uh, Compose going forward, but what would you do in the situation? I'm going to assume you would go with Compose anyway, because you said that's what you would learn now. But what are your thoughts? No, I think you've covered like a bunch of those things, right? It's funny you mentioned like the Google shift. And I think, you know, yeah, let's maybe pose that question, right? Because I think it's funny. I think in August, they had a blog post about celebrating five years of Kotlin, which harkens back to that time, right? Wow. <laughs> five years, right? It's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> That feels like yesterday. I know. And it's almost at this point, there isn't a question, right? Like Android developers don't even ask the question of Kotlin versus Java. It does bring up a point, right? And I know like, you know, we have a lot of folks at Google like who also listen to the podcast. It's funny the responsibility that they have sometimes, right? Because mm -hmm. if Google picks a technology, it wins in the Android world, right? We've seen that happen more often than not. Kotlin and Java totally happened, Right. Even if you don't like it, like the, it'll win. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and the biggest example of that was RX Java versus Coroutines, right? There was a long time where you, there were a lot of factions, uh, probably even at Google, that had this, you know, dissonance about like, okay, Coroutines is what Kotlin has, but you know, RX works. What's the deal? But obviously, I think that was in conjunction with JetBrains. Like, you know, JetBrains came in with Coroutines. They obviously had the partnership. Google picked coroutines, all their examples started to move to coroutines and coroutines won, you know? Yeah. And I think the same thing is going to happen here, which is like, you know, XMLs versus Jetpack Compose. Google is moving in the Jetpack Compose direction and it's going to win. The funny thing is I actually do think Jetpack Compose has been done far more thoughtfully because iOS is having a similar struggle, right? And Apple is even more draconian in terms of like, you will only use this. They want people to use Swift UI, right? And it's... Yeah. In some ways, again, I feel this is the advantage of having a company like Google, like, you know, is just so engineering heavy. I actually think the Jetpack Compose transition is working out way better than the Swift UI transition that, you know, our really? iOS. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed a lot of, there's a lot of like uproar and a lot of people still complain about Swift UI not handling and taking care of like different edge cases and Apple just saying, you know what? 
no solution there, you know, or things just break outright when they upgrade their iOS versions because SwiftUI compatibility doesn't work the same way. I mean, you have to remember too, right? Apple is in its, Apple now is like having to deal with multiple like size, like, you know, screen sizes. That's relatively new to the world of iOS, right? Whereas that's table stakes for us on the Android. That's default yeah exactly like you don't even think about pixel perfect stuff and like you know having explicit screen sizes yeah so anyway coming back to that point i think you bring up a very important point that led me to an understanding you know if google picks a technology you can pretty much you know if you're a betting man you should probably bet (laughs) on what google picks right and the other aspect that you talked about is you know, again, the other dimension, like we talked about the different dimensions, right? I think you brought up a really good point and I, you know, it resonated a lot with me, which is eventually you want to pick the thing that makes developers move faster, right? It was interesting in my team, you know, we did, we had to like change our architecture. Like, you know, this is when I joined a new team and they had different architectures. Initially, my thought process was the same, right? Like, let's just keep things. We didn't like, you know, we just had this whole episode about like, less architecture, more product, right? So my whole anticipation was like, look, we don't need to change things. You know, it it, it probably is not that bad. Let's just keep things as is. But what came, a few engineers and developers, more than like, you know, a few actually came back and said, I just don't have any joy working on this code base anymore. If you ask me to make a change, my the first thing I do is I sigh, I grunt, and then I go back and then like figure out how to make these changes, Right. That was a very clear signal to me where I'm like, okay, that, that's when a change is needed, right? And that's a slight tangential topic, but I think it resonates so well to what you're saying, which is if Jetpack Compose is something that makes people faster, it makes engineers enjoy the code base more and you know the trade-off fit, I think it makes perfect sense, right? And I don't, I don't even know if it makes, I would even argue that it doesn't make developers faster. I would say initially it probably slows you. I mean, it slowed me down quite a bit. Still does. And I'm like, how do I do this? And like over in XML, this is so easy. I just add this little attribute and I'm done. But I already knew it. But now it's like, all right, do, oh, I need to add this modifier. And like, okay, what is this one? Oh, what's the modifier called? Or uh, there's just random things that it feels like it's slowing me down. But there's something with that type of programming model that Compose has, React, all those ones that to me. I just feel like I am, I almost feel like I'm part of the machine more. Like I feel like I'm in a flow state more. Like I'm not as, I'm like, oh, I need to move this um, this state over here and this is going to react over here and this is going to recompose. Now there are, of course, gotchas. With any new technology, there's going to be gotchas. And I think that's something we should bring up here. There's like to kind of play devil's advocate here of, we're saying it's really good, but there's also a lot of kind of news out there where it's, you know, Compose is kind of getting bashed a little bit because there's some performance problems here and there that people are, are bringing up. I don't have the exact details of it, but I've seen a few things on Twitter where people are talking about, hey, this I got this long list and the thing's just super janky. And it's like, someone will say, well, you can fix that. And then they'll write this huge, long 80,000 word blog post of how you can fix it. And I'm like, I don't want to do all that to fix jank. But I think the real benefit here though, uh, with Compose is, I feel, and this is my gut feeling, I don't know anyone on, on the Compose team directly, that they're taking this very uh, seriously. And so when these things are being reported, I feel like Google is actually on top of them quite a bit. Now, unfortunately, Google's notorious for leaving bugs in an open state for like seven, eight, ten forever. 
So hopefully that's changed with Compose, but I, I think it is enough because it's a new technology and they're pushing it and it has a lot of potential. So we'll see. Yeah, I no, I think you've you've captured that pretty well, right? I feel there's this Jetpack Compose. I can completely understand what you're saying, right? I don't know what it is, that flow state where you feel like you're part of the machine. That is so true, right? With It just feels, and I don't know maybe if that's because you're already in, you know, uh, your view model or activity, you're writing Kotlin, so it's just more Kotlin, so it doesn't feel like that context shift is happening. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. There's something, the difference between like jumping into an XML and then changing it there and then coming back. Um, I feel there's something there. Like I do definitely think that having Jetpack Compose be so tightly integrated to the place that you're spending a majority of your time anyway makes you flow faster. That being said, I will say, I don't know, the promise of having this super quick iteration where it's like, you don't even have to deploy your app. Just look at an Android preview. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> that hasn't been working great for me, at least. And I don't know if it's because... Ever? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've, I'm very conservative now with my Android studio. I've made a complete U-turn on that. And if you go to earlier episodes, you probably like have listened to me saying, like, I'm mostly on the bleeding edge with, like, a canary build. I've completely U-turned there. I'm like, no, no, I will take the most drop-dead stable thing and you will pry that out of my cold hands, right? Yep, same. So maybe that's why I'm not seeing some of the benefits of Jetpack Compose and the live previews, like, smoothly working like we see in those demos. That has not been the case for me. And I don't know if I'm doing something wrong with my Jetpack Compose, but I will tell you this, more often than not, I am trying to make sure my build pipeline is like quick and I'm deploying. <laughs> I am like deploying the hell out of that on an emulator. Mm-hmm. So has that been your experience too with Jetpack Compose? Yeah, I feel like the the build has been pretty slow. I haven't run any of the new uh, Android studios, you know, like you. <laughs> Actually for years now, I've been very stable. In fact, as we record this on my computer and look here, what am I on? Uh, I am so paranoid about upgrading. I'm still on Catalina. No, de- whoa, that is... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like I am not touching this. Like this all works. I'm like nope, not doing it. Damn. Yeah. So that's on this computer. I mean, I have other computers that are up to date, but this is just one of those ones where I'm like, Ugh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to touch it. And the same thing goes for Android Studio. But the build preview is kind of always been this like thing that has evaded developers forever. Of I'm assuming the layout preview has evaded developers' happiness for a while. When it works, it's awesome. When it doesn't, it really stinks. And even it doesn't, sometimes doesn't work that well with XML views. Like there's certain changes that you make a change to a style file and then it's not updated to your rebuild. So you're like, oh, I got to rebuild. So the preview is not updating. It's just how it goes. Don, you're on Catalina. That's 10.15. I had to look at it. I'd look at this. <laughs> 2019. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so Dude, after- stay- remember I- Windows XP? That <laughs> thing, how long was that thing I around? Mean, that is true. That is true. But I think it's very different. Like, so dig this, 10.15 was Catalina. This was 2019. Then came Big Sur in 2020. Then came Monterey in 2021. And now this, I think like in fall of 2022 is going to be Ventura. Dude, you got to upgrade, man. <laughs> this is the OS that shipped with the, with the machine that I have. So I get to mid, what do I have? Uh, mid 2019 Jeez. machine. Okay. Yeah. Yes, MacBook Pro 16 inch. So it's just like, it's like decked out with, you know, 64 gigs of RAM. And it doesn't have like the new processor because I, I got it, what, a couple of years before that, those came out. But Oh, so you're not on the M1? Not on this. I have another machine uh, for that, okay. the company I work for has an M1. But this one is my personal one. It's just Catalina, just regular old school 
Dang, was it processor is on this Intel Core i9? Dude, okay, wow, that is quite some time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever had doubts that you know you need a better machine to be more productive, Don Felker is your living example that you don't. So let's have a quick divergence about this topic because it's something I'm very passionate about, actually. I am a huge believer in that you don't need the best material out there. You don't need the top-notch stuff. This came from someone that when I grew up, he was a, um, he was a professional desert uh, motorcycle racer. And um, I remember saying I, I was racing motocross at the time and I was saying, oh, I need to get these new shocks and I need to get these new tires. And he goes, he just pulls me aside. He goes, you don't need any of that. He goes, let's, he goes, let me use the golf example. He goes, let's assume, and this is back when Tiger Woods was like in his heyday. He goes, let's assume Tiger Woods showed up and you gave him a pair of clubs from played against sports, used clubs. He goes, what do you think would happen? And I'm like, uh, he'd destroy everybody. He goes, exactly. Has nothing to do with the, you know, the equipment has everything to do with your skill. And he goes, would he be a little bit better with those other ones? Yeah. Would he be substantially better? Probably not. He's like, it would help him. He goes, and at that peak level, it helps. And I, so not to dismiss like the new processor speeds, like those are actually like amazing upgrades. <laughs> so if you can get like an M1, M2, whatever those are, go that route. Those are awesome. Um, but if you can't, or even if you can't even have, like afford a brand new one, go to the Apple refurbish store, go to the Dell refurbish store, just Google them and you can buy used machines. My first two MacBooks were used. I didn't buy a brand new MacBook until 2015. Everything else I had built, which was like Groupon, my fitness pal, everything like that was all on used machines. The thing is, I know in my heart what you're saying is right. And even when I do these things, I know it's right, but I will admit, I'll be the first to admit, I am definitely more, oh, like, you know, can I improve this just a little more with my productivity? I'm going to try and do this. And I will say, I am like starting to dial that back and I don't know what it is that changed. Maybe I just don't have as much time as I used to before to like tinker around and like do all of these things. Mm-hmm. But no, hun- you are 100% correct. You do not need the latest and greatest to be. It's about like, you know, the levels of execution, right? To even get to like 60 or 70% of efficiency in terms of execution, don't need like the latest and greatest by any stretch. And I think you brought out some good tips, which is, you know, the refurbished store. Yeah, people don't do that enough. You know, I hope with all of the stuff that's happening in the world and climate change that people start to like reuse and use a lot of that stuff. I think, you know, just reusing things, reusing your own things is such a good idea, right? Yeah. One of the, and again, I know we're going on a tangent a little, but one of the policies that's worked really well for me is anytime I purchase something new in my mind, I set a rule where I'm like, if I'm getting in something new to my home, I need to get rid of something, right? Yep. You cannot necessarily always stack on because that also becomes a problem, right? Where you don't even know, like you have so many of the tools and you're not proficient enough to know how to use them that you just basically get into a stalemate. Yeah, you do. And it's, you know, I'm not saying don't optimize for things. Like if you can, if your build on your Android build is 18 minutes and getting a brand new machine is going to drop that to four, Okay, just do the math. That's good. Like you will save yourself so much time by just spending the money if you can and getting a high end machine. That's a no brainer. And this comes from someone who I have optimized the amount of time that it makes that it takes to make me tea. Like I hate, <laughs> I hate waiting for boiling water. So I researched the crap out of a bunch of different tea kettles that heat, that boil water, and then I found the optimal amount of water I need to put in there so it will boil within like a minute. So then I can pour the tea within one minute, I'm sitting back at my desk because otherwise I was waiting five to seven minutes. I'm checking and I'm going back and forth. 
And I do that multiple times a day. So now I'm like, oh, it's a minute. And that is fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, that means take it for, you know, if, you, if there's a ways you can optimize it to improve your life a lot, then do it. Do you use one of those remote kettles, like the Wi-Fi kettles where you can sort of turn it on and then let it boil and then it sends you a notification? I do, with, I do that with my washer and dryer now, by the way. And it's not like I looked for something. The new washer dryer I got had that functionality and I'm like, oh, let me try this. And I'm like, oh, that is very convenient. I just don't have to think about it or set timers. It just pings me. I don't have one of those, but I, w- I would like to. But my house is so small and I, I sit right next to the, my office is right next to the kitchen that I can hear the click on the water kettle. So it's just, I hear a click and I just pop up real fast. But you know what? That's interesting about the washer and dryer. I could really use that because I can't tell you how many times or I'll wake up in the morning and be like, oh my God, I left clothes in the washer. Now I got to wash them again. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if there's an interesting segue from washing machines back to Jetpack Compose. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just basically going to say there's another point you brought up, which I thought was super interesting, which is the learning time, right? Like with productivity, mm-hmm. I think that's a valid point, but I actually think that's going to go away, right? We're going to yep. get into a world where like that learning period, because you said that thing, and I, I feel a lot of people will resonate where if you're working with XML and you need to like align right or align left, or you need to work in a very, work your constraint layout in a very specific way. I think it's so easy for a lot of people, but that's mostly just experience, right? I mean, what is it? Like Android's been out for what 15 years now? I forget how long. And for all of those years, we've basically pretty much been working with XML, right? And Jetpack Compose has been out for like, what, uh, three to four years and, you know, really catching on in the last few. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, there's obviously a, a huge bank of like our wealth of knowledge that we've built, right? And give it another year or two. And I think we'll build that up and the tides will probably change at that in that direction. It will. And I think... This is also, we're in an interesting time where I really feel like, this is really weird to say that I feel like we could be ripe for a search engine disrupting company. And let me tell you why. And this is based on the Compose stuff. Uh, Because if you go learn Compose right now, you will find a billion tutorials out there. None of them, 90% of them won't work. The tools are all different. Like just getting the thing to build is just like an absolute nightmare. And Unfortunately, the Google Code Labs are often wrong. Right, right. Because they're changing so often, right? Which is a real bummer. I mean, because as a new developer or even as someone like myself who I have experienced, but to give a prime example, like I recently had to dive in to learn uh, Jetpack data store with, you know, protocol buffers. And I went, I was like, you know what? I've never really worked with that in this context. So let me just go do the Code Lab real fast to wrap my head around it. And the Code Lab was just riddled with errors. And I'm like, is it me? And I went to the, to the um, GitHub and no, there was a ton of people complaining about it. So the bummer there is, and if anyone's from Google is listening, is like, these are where new people go. Like they trust Google. They're going to go to those code labs. So learning that stuff and like, to bring it back to the search engine thing, it's to find like finding the right tutorial, finding the right content is becoming more and more difficult, which is why we have seen a lot of people post. Like if you're searching for a new Jetpack and post tutorials, you might put Jetpack Compose Tutorial 2022 or even October 2022. Like you'll even filter that way to hopefully get something filtered. Or if you want more of like a a real world review of something that's not sponsored by some random company, maybe you want to buy like a phone case. You might look up, uh, you know, say you use SpyGen phone cases. Um, You would go, you know, 
SpyGen and then Reddit. You know, like people will put Reddit at the end of a search term to get the real world like opinions and stuff. So I think it's just, a, it's hard to find the, the, the content out there for Jetpack and Post, but I do think that's going to improve over time, but we'll see how the, the search engines adapt and find the right stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it is interesting that you say that and shout out to Android developer and YouTuber flow uh, coding with, uh, no, not coding with me. Sorry. It's the, what's his name? Qtub, right? Yeah. That's the one. Qtub.io. Oh, Tuthub. Oh, Tuthub. Uh, is it Tuthub? It okay, yeah, yeah. Might be Tuthub. Tuthub. Yeah. It's from Florian from uh, coding, coding and flow. Ah, yes, yes. Okay. So I, it's funny because I, I think that's the same idea, right? Where you have, you search for tutorials and it's ranked head in some way. I was going to say, Don, if only there was a high quality website that had Android training videos from people you can trust, tisk tisk, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, don't remind me. <laughs> I know, I know. It's probably, yeah. It's, <laughs> to tell you the truth, though, I mean, there, there's a number. Uh, you know who's really, and we've had him, I've had him on, I think he was on the podcast, yeah. Who's really just putting out just awesome Android content. And he's like the first person that always shows up. And I'm like, all right, what's the difference between this and this again? And just for a reminder, it's Philip Blackner. His stuff is like, oh, yeah. It's like everywhere. Like he, he's nailing the search terms like he's getting the titles perfectly because he's entering it as i would search for it which is a genius maneuver because like this versus this versus this and i'm like oh oh there's a video by phil again i'm like all right let me watch this one i'm like i just watched a phil from video five minutes ago so and i mean the, the videos are pretty high quality too like yeah, yeah i think it is good yeah his I've, I've noticed i think i've only seen a lot of his recent stuff come up on like youtube and a lot of those videos so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but there's all kinds of, you know, there's other places out there. It's uh, if you're if you're learning, you want to learn compose. Uh, there's tons of courses that people in the community put out. You know, of course, there's the places we've mentioned already. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. If you're going to be with a, if you're a contractor, you know, to recap, and you're 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 coming in for an app and it's an XML, I advise keeping XML just to keep it, you know, coherent for your delivery. If you're running. If you're a full-time employee uh, or you're trying to improve the code base of an application and you want to move it from the old stuff to the new stuff, then yeah, consider introducing something like Compose. And for me, if I'm starting a brand new application, I'm going to use Compose simply because that's starting to look like what's going to be the standard in the future. I think that is an excellent roundup. You covered like a solid portion of our advice. (laughs) All right, Don. Uh, would you like to point folks to any other resources or should we call it there? I think that's it. That's all I got really to share here today. So again, want to thank everybody for listening as usual. And if you have any ideas for a show note, excuse me, any shows that you'd like to hear or anything you'd like to hear us talk about, please let us know and we'll throw it on the docket. Thank you all for listening and we will catch you in the next one. But before that, is there, how would folks want to reach out to you if they want to do that, Don? They can find me on socials with at Don Felker. That's going to be the same across all of them, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And if folks want to get a hold of you, Kaushik, how do they do that? Kaushik Gopal, my full name on Twitter and most other places. But you can also just go to my website, which we will have a link in the show notes and you can find most of the stuff that I put out there. Because the URL changes like every week. <laughs> hey, now, uh, I do. <laughs> I love cut, you, man. That, that cuts deep. <laughs> All right, take it easy, Don. A good URL, though. All right, see you. Once again, this episode is brought to you by AndroidJobs.io. 
post a free job posting, sign up to get notified of those job postings. And you can also upgrade and make your job posting highlighted or pinned to the top or anything like that. And remember, all job postings are now 90 days long. So check it out, androidjobs.io. Thanks for listening. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.